Welcome to the Content Pros Podcast, where we unlock the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world and ask the questions you've always wanted asked. Content Pros is sponsored by predictive content analytics software, Inbound Writer, and online proofing and collaboration platform, Proof HQ. Now here are your hosts, from Oracle Marketing Cloud, Chris Moody, and from Sysimos, Amber Nasland. Ready? Let's talk to the pros. Hey, this is Chris Moody. Welcome to another episode of Content Pros. I'm joined with my co-host, Amber Naslin, and today we're really excited. We have Jason Falls with us today. Jason, uh, Jason and I have known each other, gosh, I think it feels about a decade now, but Jason recently joined Elasticity, which is a killer creative firm um, here out of the lovely Midwest. So welcome to the program, Jason, and thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. I'm honored to be uh, be on the show. Tell me a little bit about your new gig because this is relatively new for you. So give me the give me the two minute walkthrough of where Jason's career has gone to date. Yeah, so I was I was at uh, Cafe Press for a couple of years, and I brought Elasticity to Cafe Press as our uh, sort of PR firm, digital marketing uh, partner. And um, there was some, I, I had this really strong desire after about a year and a half of being on the brand side to get back to the agency world. Um, there's, you know, good and bad on both sides of it and started thinking about it. And there was some executive shakeup happening at cafe press. And I went to the two uh, founders, uh, Fred Durham and Mahesh Jane and said, you know, Hey, here's an opportunity for me to jump over to elasticity and still work on the cafe press brand and allow you guys some flexibility on what you might want to do in restructuring here. And they really liked the idea. So it was kind of a win-win for everyone. I work, I spend a lot of my time on cafe press. They're still one of elasticity's. Uh, you know, big clients, but um, back on the agency side of things, um, you know, doing digital strategy and content for our clients. And, and I get to spend about half my time on new business as well. So, um, you know, just back, you know, being a, a, a digital era Don Draper, if you will. Nice. I like that. And Jason, I mean, you create a ton of digital content, but you also have two books. So how do you approach the content process in general, especially considering, there's short form, there's long form, tons of editing with the books, but what's your approach? Well, my, my approach is to drink a lot of alcohol. And um, <laughs> um, no, I, I actually, uh, my approach, to, it, it depends on the project. You know, whether it's a, a book obviously takes a lot more time and there's a lot of editing to it. Um, and, and so you have to really commit to that. And I haven't written a new book in a couple of years primarily because of that, because it's such an arduous process. But for, for clients, um, what I typically do, uh, the process for sitting down with them is, is ultimately sitting down and deciding with them what's the ultimate goal here? What are we trying to accomplish? What are we trying to persuade the audience to do with this particular piece of content or this you know, overall strategy? Um, and from that, um, you know, as you do research, as you talk to prospective customers, as you narrow down on the goals and objectives of the campaign, uh, sort of ideas emerge that will, oh, okay, if we want them to sign up for our newsletter, then we need to make sure the newsletter has something in it that's worth signing up for. And so you brainstorm around that and come up with that execution. And so it's it's really a, a pretty, you know, logical, rational, linear approach. Uh, what is the client trying to uh, achieve? Uh, what do they want the audience to do uh, when they consume this content? And then let's build something creative that stands out from there. The big key for me and for Elasticity is our content. We tend to say, okay, here's what everybody else would do. Now, how do we do that in a way that's very disruptive, that separates this signal from the noise? 
when you when you do this kind of um, brainstorming around a logical flow for your content, um, that makes a lot of sense to me and to to a bunch of us who've been doing this for a ton of years. But what do you think is the biggest mistake people make in that process? Where do they go wrong in planning out a content strategy that that misses all those marks you just talked about? I, I think the biggest thing. Uh, the mistake that, that most brands make um, and even agencies make um, is they get enamored, so enamored with tactical executions and ideas that they forget what the overall strategy is or they forget what the goal of the communication is. Um, you know, when, when you're in a creative brainstorming session, uh, your job really is to throw stuff up on the wall and see what sticks. You know, what is what are the, the standout ideas that we think are going to get a lot of attention that are going to, uh, sort of cue that emotional response of the audience, and and you come up with five or six things in a you know brainstorm session you know for a campaign, um, and uh, too often from that point though the whether it's the creatives or the account people or even the brand side the client folks I think they get obsessed with one idea one execution and say oh we got to do that because that's going to be fun because that's going to be neat and they forget wait a minute. Is that the best way to get the audience to take this action? Is it the best way to get them to think a certain way, to press a certain button, to download a certain thing, to buy a certain product? Um, sometimes that idea is the best way, but they're so obsessed with just the fun of doing it, especially when you're coming up with humorous or creative executions. A lot of times you get caught up in just the silliness of it all. Uh, and forget that you're there to achieve a strategic purpose. So I think it's focusing on the goals and objectives and focusing on ultimately what you want the audience to do. You have to hold on to that through the entire process from brainstorming to execution. Well, how do you bring that back in? I mean, I know in many large organizations, there's tons of people working on content. Do you have a documented content strategy? Because I know that's something we ran into at Oracle Marketing Cloud. We tried to come up with literally a two to three page document that does exactly what you said. Here are our business goals. Here's how we align to that. And that's something that we can present internally. But how do you approach that? Well, I mean, I think ultimately what you, you have to do is you have to get every member of the team, um, you know, from the people who come up with the strategy to the CMO on the brand side, um, all the way down to the community managers and, and the people that are actually, you know, managing the social networks and so on and so forth. Everybody has to be bought in. It, it can't, you, and you have to make sure that, that even the person who is managing the Twitter account understands the strategic purpose of that particular campaign or the overall you know client strategic purpose what they're there to do um, it's especially when you are dealing with people who are younger who maybe don't have that sort of wide angle lens on the business um, I, I got yelled at one time for saying that that uh, you know people right out of college couldn't think strategically and, and that was wrong of me to say uh, that was years ago they can think strategically but not all of them do because they're not used to it they haven't had to before and so you've got to make sure that everybody sort of understands that there's a bigger reason that we're doing this it's not just about playing on twitter it's not just about managing the conversations and responding to people it's not just about conducting customer service um, it's about a strategic business goal and if everybody's bought in and you have those triggers and those reminders in place even if it's just a a, you know, a quick uh, guide that you print out and stick to the side of the computer monitor so that everybody, when they're sitting down and, and tweeting, there's a strategic goal or something right in front of their face. There's going to be triggers in place to make sure everyone is pointed in the same direction.
Um, so I'm going to take a second here while we're having a great break in the conversation to talk about that um, and uh, thank one of our sponsors, which is Inbound Writer. Um, most of blog posts and articles, as we well know, fail to drive a lot of traffic to your website. So wouldn't it be great to know how good or bad that content will be performed before you write it? Inbound Writer does that. They forecast how your content will perform based on real-time analysis of your site, your competition, search engine behaviors. Inbound Writer tells you which topics will work, which won't, and why, removing the guesswork from content creation, increasing traffic, and decreasing wasted time. So you can visit inboundwriter.com to learn more about that, and thanks for being part of Content Pros. So Jason, you were talking about the idea of getting lots of people invested in the outcome of content and making sure it's tied to business goals. How do you manage the process of, of getting everybody socialized around the purpose, but then avoiding sort of decision by committee or strategy by committee? Because I find that the, the more collaborative you get, the easier it can be for that to, to really creep into, oh, I've got an idea and I've got an idea for this. And how do you keep that reined in while still um, getting lots of interesting input from all across the company? Yeah, that's that's a, a delicate balance. And I, th and I think that that all goes back to, you know, who the decision maker is, who the leader is on the project. Um, it, it typically needs to be the decision maker for marketing on the brand side um, really has to be responsible for that uh, particular uh, process. Um, because if you're in a brainstorming session and someone throws out an idea that's not necessarily, um, you know, pointed in the, the same direction as the strategy um, uh, and where everyone else is going, you have to have someone who can diplomatically come in and say, okay, I like that idea, but I don't think it, it leads you know down the right path for this particular strategy because of this, this, and this. Let's put that over here because I like it, and we might be able to find a way to use it at some point, um, but I don't think it fits with where we're going. Um, and, and if you find someone who can diplomatically do that consistently, reinforce the ideas that work, table the ideas that don't without um, you know sort of squashing the the enthusiasm or the creative energy of the person who contributed those ideas, that's not easy. Uh, and you have to have the right sort of leader in place to do that. Um, and I think that probably is one area where um, uh, many marketing managers, CMOs, et cetera, could, could use a little bit of work. I've run into several over the years that just don't have that diplomacy in them. Um, they're, you know, fast decision makers. They don't care about emotional, you know, uh, uh, capital within their employees. They just say, no, it sucks, go, boom. And that doesn't work uh, a lot of times. So I think that's the that's the, the, the linchpin is having that person in the leadership role within the, the organization, uh, particularly on the brand side that can, can make that call. I think that's a great point. And, and another thing that I see a lot of leaders debating in the content arena today is quality versus quantity. Now, to me, quality doesn't mean you put out crap, but thinking more of the effort level, like doing the big production pieces, the big ebook, the white paper. But where do you stand on that? Do you try to produce more content and maybe not as high quality or do you do a mix? I'm just curious your approach. I think it depends. I mean, I, I, I don't think there's a, a one you know answer for every brand, for every person, for every company. Um, I personally would much rather have quality over quantity. Um, you know, when I uh, I was talking to a client not too long ago about their blog, and you know they have this posting schedule of you know one blog post per day, five days a week, which you know is kind of a pattern that I followed for quite some time. And 
and and I kept reminding them. I said it three or four times. If if you don't get something done by Monday, it's okay. If you don't have anything to say, it's okay. You don't have to post five days per week every week. Add infinitum. You can take a day off. It's it's fine. Um, the world will not miss your blog your blog post. Um, and so I, I I'm definitely a fan of quality over quantity. But at the same time, there are certain clients, there are certain uh, opportunities where if you, or for instance, I have a client that I pitched last week. Um, I'll just say they're in the medical space. Um, and uh, compared to their uh, competition uh, in the vertical that they are in, no one is is producing really good, enriching content, helpful content on the internet. There's no uh, blogs within this particular niche. There's no social channels that are relevant in this particular niche. And so for that particular client, uh, first to market is valuable. And so for them, I would say churn, baby, churn, tweet, Facebook, white paper, webinar, blog post, blog post, blog post. Obviously, you want to do it smartly with keywords in mind, so on and so forth. But I want to beat the hell out of their competition before their competition even knows there's a competition to have. Because if you're first to market, a lot of times with Google, you're going to be first forever. And that's valuable. Curious about that point because um, I've seen a lot of the strategies of, hey, let's get out there, let's be first, let's be noisy, let's get lots of attention. How do you eventually, like what other goals do you think are valid for, for content besides just getting eyeballs? And how do you transition from the phase where you're all about gathering attention and audience and moving into engaging those people? Because I know we, we can get stuck a little bit around the whole, um, let me get more attention, more attention, more attention, and eventually we've got to move off of that, don't you think? Well, yes and no. I mean, I think you always are in the are in the business of getting attention. Um, you just focus that attention on either segments of your audience or a more refined audience or um, or something of that nature. But I've always been, you know, of the mindset that you should never go to market with just attention getting, just branding, just awareness in mind. Uh, I try very hard with every client that I ever advise. You know, let's build a direct response mechanism into this. Let's let's show that we can make people uh, push the button, download the white paper, sign up for the webinar, give us an email address, buy a product. Um, you know, the two types of of marketing generally are branding and awareness. You know, brand marketing and direct response. So buy, click, download, etc. And and every client is going to have some varying degree of importance on either one. You want people to know who you are. Uh, you want that awareness. You want to lay that foundation for future conversion success. So branding is important. But if you don't make people buy, download, pull the trigger, uh, then you're not converting people. You're not making money. You're not showing some return on what you're doing. And so um, I try very, very hard. And obviously within different clients, especially long lead, B2B, et cetera, et cetera, Sometimes it's more challenging. I don't think it's impossible. It's more challenging to build in a direct response mechanism to what they do. But even if you're just generating leads and counting those leads, eventually when you see some of those leads convert, you can do some backwards math and say, hey, these leads are worth an average of this dollar amount. And so we've produced this much revenue or this, this much value for your company. Um, if you do that, if you hold clients or you hold your own brand to the standard of we've got to get attention we've got to collect eyeballs 
but at the same time we've got to figure out ways to convert them, then at the end of the day, when people ask what's your ROI, how much money did you make, was it successful, you have much better answers. Yeah, I think that's an awesome point there. And getting the answers and actually understanding what's happening. Is there a certain team structure that you're seeing works best for that? Because I know a lot of content folks come from traditional writing backgrounds or that's something that's in their DNA. And they may not be the same ones who want to track things from awareness through to lead through to conversion. So with the clients you work with and all the folks you've helped, is there a certain structure that's working best right now? I love having an old SEO guy on the team, you know, because the the old pay-per-click, the old data-driven SEO spreadsheet monkeys, they, man, they're fantastic. Um, And I can take, you know, someone who has that sort of background and pedigree uh, and say, look, here's what we're doing in terms of branding awareness. Here's what we're doing in terms of direct response. What I want you to do is help me optimize to drive people to the direct response mechanisms measure our uh, action rates, uh, which in my mind is, is a download or, you know, I'm going to give you my email address. I don't call that a conversion rate because I think a conversion means they're giving you money. So let's, let's measure our action rates and look at the, the action rates, you know, every step down the funnel to the purchase point. And then let's measure all of those to see where we're strong and where we're weak. And let's optimize along those points to make sure that we can continue to get stronger where we're weak and solidify where we're strong. Um, so that ultimately we have a, a really nice funnel uh, and path to conversion for the audiences that we're reaching. Once we figure out all of those conversion points, hey, I'm going to get you to follow me. Now I'm going to get you to give me your email address. Now I'm going to get you to ask a question. Now I'm going to get your phone number and I'm going to call you. Now I'm going to convert you. I'm going to get you to, to sign up for something or, or buy something. Once we know what all those points are, then it's just a matter of identifying the ideal you know, uh, profile of the person who's ultimately going to buy and putting either paid or earned media behind getting in front of more eyeballs like that. Um, it sounds kind of simple when you map it out that way. It's, it's not simple in execution, certainly. Um, but in principle, it is simple. It's identifying the audience that is ultimately going to purchase your product and making the path to conversion as smooth as possible for them. So if you give me a data-driven person who understands here are the six points along the path, I need to know what the action rates are from point one to point two, from point one to point three, from point two to point four, et cetera, et cetera. That way we can optimize around those and make that path smoother. Now, now you've got something. And so I love the data-driven folks. And I, I am not by training or calling or purpose a data-driven person, but I have become an absolutely, because I'm a, I'm a writer, creative kind of guy, but I have become just enamored with uh, making decisions based on data and using data to make the process smarter and better. So I've become a little bit of a left brainer over the years, which has been nice. Yeah, I, I love that you hit on the multiple points too, because I think that's really important. Kind of progressing through various stages of the funnel or whatever the customer journey is. And inevitably, that requires a lot of content. And a lot of the content teams we talk to, they may have one person that's dedicated. So we work with them to try to find creative ways to solicit more content. What tips do you have there to get more content from the organization? Wow. Um, you know, that's an interesting uh, an interesting problem that I think a lot of organizations have. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily, you know, we need to get more content. I think it's just we need to get the right content. 
Um, and, and a lot of times when I'm looking at, especially a new client or someone who's, you know, been blogging or been doing content for a while, they come to us and they're like, hey, we need some help. We've, we've got good content. It's like great. And we want it to be great. Um, I normally will, will, you know, kind of assess what's going on. And, and more often than not, I land on the point of, you know what, you are churning out the best meh I've ever seen. Um, you know, the, your, your blog posts are just, bleh. they're just, they're boring. It's the same stuff with different words every day over and over and over again. And so normally it's it, at that point, it's not, let's, let's not keep continuing to put out the meh, even though there's some value to that because the search engines, you know, love content. They don't care how, if the content's good or not. So there's some value for it. It's not great, but some value. Let's figure out a way to one in every 10 goes from being meh to being, holy crap, that's awesome. And then go two in every 10 or one in five or one in eight or whatever. Increase the chances that the content that you're putting out is content that people are going to do a double take and go, whoa, whoa, what was that? That's cool. Um, you know, unfortunately, what that translates to, though, in, in the content marketing world is that we have to create uh, rubberneck content. We have to create headlines. We have to create moments that make our audiences stop dead in their tracks and go, what was that? You know, we have to become a tabloid. We have to become at least tabloid headline writers. Um, you know, look at the content that's getting the most traction on the Internet today, BuzzFeed, Upworthy, etc. That is content that is naturally, organically breaking all of the perceptions of the Facebook algorithms and all that good stuff because those pages on Facebook are brand pages. They are no different than your brand's page, but their content is going through the roof. Why? Because they're turning the world into rubberneckers. We all want to stop and look at the train wreck. That doesn't necessarily mean the content is negative. It can be positive as well. But the content that works is the content that is not meh, but content that is, holy smokes, this is awesome, or this is sad, or this is interesting. And so I think that's the challenge. I don't think it's more content. I think it's better content. Awesome. Another great point there. And I think while we're on collaboration, it's a perfect opportunity to mention another one of our sponsors, which is Proof HQ. And we all know one of the trickiest parts of content creation is approvals and edits. And different people weigh in. They give you feedback like make the logo bigger. Is this the best photo we have? We can kill all that drama using Proof HQ. It's a slick web-based system that allows everyone on your team to instantly collaborate on content executions. Work together seamlessly on blog posts, ebooks, slide shares, infographics, and more. You'll be more productive and more creative when you use Proof HQ. You can check it out at bit.ly slash Proof HQ. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash Proof HQ. Now something that a lot of our guests are going to want to know about. Um, one of their favorite questions is always things like, what, what are your favorite tools, technologies, uh, platforms, do you have any favorites and anything that you'd recommend to people to check out that you find to be a, a really important part of your content process? Um, in, in terms of the content process, um, you know, one of the things that I do personally that a lot of you know, brands try to emulate as well is, is curate content. I mean, you know, I've, you know, long been known from my statement back in whatever it was that, I have a Twitter policy, and my Twitter policy is share good shit. 
And, um, and that's all I do on Twitter. I mean, I'll engage and have conversations with people, but my, I get up in the morning and I spend 30 to 45 minutes reading through marketing, PR, digital marketing, social media content, blog posts, you know, newspapers, magazines, et cetera. And I find content and share it with my network because that's the value I want to provide for those people. And it really comes down to a handful of tools to do that. Um, obviously, um, you know, you, you have to discover content, and there's a couple of discovery agents I use. Um, I, I use, well, first of all, the, the best discovery agent in the world is Google. Um, you know, if you're looking for something specific, go type it into a Google search, and you're probably going to find something. Um, and so if I'm looking for content on a specific topic, a, a specific news article, et cetera, just a good old Google search. It's pretty reliable. Um, I also use, um, you know, some tools like um, LockerDome, uh, which, you know, is, is a, a startup that Elasticity worked with. I didn't personally work on LockerDome, but I've known of them for a while because I've known the Elasticity guys for a while. And LockerDome has pivoted a couple times over the years, but it's a really interesting content discovery mechanism. Um, there's a couple of others out there uh, that, I, that I've been experimenting with as well uh, to just discover content. But what happens is when I find a blog or a single piece of content, you know, something that's interesting, um, I uh, will either immediately queue it up to share, and I primarily use Buffer to share my content because it allows me to sort of trickle the content out over the course of the day as opposed to just shotgunning it all out at once. Um, I'm also experimenting with another tool called Edgar, which allows you to separate your shares into sort of verticals. So you can say, well, I only want to share this once, but these are my blog posts, so I want to share them four or five times or queue them up to share over time several times. Um, but Feedly is kind of my, my hub for all of that, and Feedly for a lot of people who read blogs and RSS feeds and whatnot, uh, Feedly sort of took the place for a lot of people of Google Reader um, when, when Google Sunset that product. And Feedly also has Discovery Engine as well. You can just go type in a topic or you can type in a URL and it'll say, well, here are all of the feeds of content that you can pull from that particular source. And so I, you know, I pull in content there, and it's my newspaper. And I open that up every morning and I go through my little buckets of content. I've got a folder for digital marketing, a folder for social, a folder for um, lots of different things. Internal communication is one topic that I focus on sometimes. So I've got all these things divided up and, um, and I put them, uh, you know, I put them in front of my eyeballs for a few minutes. And if I see something I like, I open it, I read it. If I like it well enough, I queue it up to share via buffer. Uh, or Edgar, whatever I'm using at the time. And so that's kind of my content sharing process. In terms of content creation, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much just type it up in Microsoft Word and dump it over into WordPress. Sometimes I use Scrivener if I'm doing more long form. Scrivener's a great uh, sort of writing tool. It creates an environment. It allows you to, you know, save things as chapters and tie it all together in kind of a book format. Um, but uh, you know, I'm, an, I'm an old fashioned word processing guy. I'll just throw it in word, uh, Microsoft Word and go after it. And Jason, we recently pinged you to help pull together some marketing advice. So we put together a slide share. It's a bit.ly slash regift marketing. So what one piece of marketing advice would you like to pass on to other marketers? Holy smokes. Um, plan to measure. Um, I'm actually going through an exercise right now with a client um, who had a new marketing director come in in the last few months and basically turned to us and said, um, well, how are we measuring our success? And this particular account, this particular client, I didn't have as much input uh, on the agency side of things. Um, you know, I've, I've only been with Elasticity since September. 
when we first started with the client. And so, um, <coughs> pardon me, didn't mean to cough there on you. Um, but I didn't have as much input with this particular client when we started. And so we unfortunately made a, a slight mistake of not really planning to measure things as, uh, as infinitely or as granularly as the marketing manager would have liked to have, have done. And so I basically had to come in and say, okay, moving forward, here's what we're going to do about measurement. But the advice that I would give anyone is, is before, uh, you, um, execute anything and, and probably right after you decide, okay, here's our strategy. Um, here's what we're going to go uh, to market with before you even come up with the tactical executions of that. I think you need to say, okay, is this a branding and awareness play? Is this a direct response play or is it a combination of both? And how are we going to determine success that way? As you think of all the tactical implications and executions that you are going through, you say, okay, we're going to do this video series and we're going to do a video contest and we're going to do this, 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 this. Okay, well, ultimately, how is that going to lead to how can you interpret that to be better exposure or more downloads or more purchases? Oh, okay, well, when we're doing that, we need to measure the number of people that enter the contest and the number of people that view the videos and the number of times they tweet. Blah, blah, blah. So you build, you plan to measure, you build in the, the expectations of the metrics that you're going to generate. That way, when you generate them, you're already capturing them, and you don't have to go back after you're done and go, oh, what would we do? Because that's ultimately what um, having to do with a particular client right now, and it's, it's rather frustrating. We can go back and grab some vanity metrics, um, but because we didn't plan to measure, we didn't drop the right tracking pixels, we didn't set up Google Analytics right, and so we're going we're gonna to ballpark it this time, but moving forward, we're going to be very granular on how we measure what we do. Uh, because I, <laughs> I've seen plenty of people sitting and staring at their dashboards with exactly that look on their face. Um, oh, yeah. And it's a good chance for me to, to plug um, my company over at Sysmos.com. And we, we've been doing a whole bunch of work now kind of investigating how to really track those conversion paths and, um, and use our map engine to you can do this really cool real-time search where you actually type in a keyword and then a bunch of stuff pops up in seconds that no big complicated queries and stuff. So you can actually get some really interesting insight about paths of content and paths of topic and trends. So if you need inspiration around um, what kind of things people are talking about to, to target your content. So thank you for talking about measurement because it's something that's near and dear to my heart. <laughs> So we always like to wrap up our um, content pros with a fun question. And my fun question for you today, Mr. Falls, was what did you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> uh, well, it depends on uh, when you would have asked me the question. Um, I, I wanted to be, uh, when I was, you know, eight, nine, ten years old, I wanted to be uh, a radio disc jockey. Um, and I got my first radio DJ job at age 14. So I accomplished that very early. And, and life has been downhill since. No, um, uh, so I, as I got into the, you know, being a radio DJ, um, you know, I wanted to be some combination of, of Howard Stern and uh, a guy named Terry Miners, who's a, an afternoon show host here in Louisville, who was, you know, much more clean and, uh, but also funny. Um, I always wanted to find a way to be funny and, and, and use humor to engage people. And then uh, that evolved. When I got into college, I was hanging out with the athletic department a lot. I wanted to be an anchor on Sports Center. Uh, I didn't quite make it to Sports Center, but I did make it to be a producer at ABC Radio in New York. So I lived the dream there in the broadcast world. So at various and sundry 
stages in my life, I wanted to be one of those three or four things. And I guess in a weird way, I accomplished each of them sort of. So we made it the entire show without a mention of bourbon. I don't know how we did that. How did that happen? I have no clue. No clue. I don't know. I feel like that's a failure on our part as well. I have no idea. You're serious. (laughs) So this is really good. Well, no, I normally, I I normally, well, I normally randomly injected, and I did mention drinking a lot of alcohol at some point, but I didn't specifically mention bourbon. So I'm disappointed in myself. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Jason. And, you know, on behalf of Amber and myself, thanks for joining another episode of Content Pros. We look forward to hearing from you guys next time. And please do share this. Let us know what other content questions you have. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Oracle Marketing Cloud, Sysimos, Proof HQ, and Inbound Rider, and is produced by Convince and Convert. Find more great shows like Content Pros at marketingpodcast.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts.